Joshua chapter 1, excuse me, Joshua chapter 2. The military has always intrigued me, and it amazes me how the military can train, organize, mobilize thousands and thousands of men and women. And it amazes me how much of the human um, psyche, if you will, um, that they understand. They understand uh, how much a single individual can handle um, physically. I think that's amazing. They understand how far a person can push themselves. They know how far they can go, um, and they push them even farther than they, the person think, thinks they can go. They also understand how much more a group of people can do physically and how much they can handle together. We, we use the term synergy. Synergy is far more, uh, uh, more than an f- individual person can handle. The military amazes me as to how they develop duty, duty to a cause, how they develop that, how they orchestrate that, how they develop obedience to a leader amazes me. But really far beyond anything, the military amazes me more in its strategy. I've never studied military strategy, but I love reading stories of military strategy. And there are tons of them. I read a story the other day about Napoleon and some of his strategies and how he would uh, do some of these things. And the the man was a genius, uh, uh, military-wise. And some strategies are based upon sound historical success. This is how it used to be done. This is how maybe Alexander the Great did it. So this is how we can do it. Others are used almost on a whim. Just, hey, this is a good idea. Let's try this. One of these strategies on a whim was, <coughs> excuse me, was the, Brit, the Brits convincing German soldiers to abandon their posts <coughs> and get sent off for medical reasons. As they couldn't exactly just go up to them and tell them about it, the Brits decided that the best way to do it was printing it on matchbooks and airdropping them behind enemy lines. So if you will, what they would do is they would write on matchbooks. Here is how you fake a skin disease. Here is how you fake uh, a cold or the flu or, or a lung disease. Here's how you fake all kinds of things. They'll write that on a matchbook. And as the, uh, the Air Force was drive, or flying over enemy lines, they would just kind of drop some of those. The idea was that this would magically come down out of the sky and hit them in the head And they would go, this is a good idea. Come on, let's face it. Every soldier probably would love a nice clean bed, warm sheets, rather than being in the trenches during World War II. Anybody would. So this was their goal. The matchbook contained specific instructions on how to fake an illness like skin inflammations and lung problems. They were counting on German soldiers to go with the plan Two, as almost any would, would take sitting in a hospital bed somewhere over fighting a war. These matchbooks were largely successful, though probably not in the way that they had intended. Listen to this. The German commanders got wind of the idea and refused to send anyone to quarantine or medical care. Except some soldiers actually were sick. And the interesting thing is that some of them came down with real diseases. And because they wouldn't send them to quarantine or anything like that, they would keep them there and that disease would spread throughout the army. 
The fact of the matter was, the tactic also sowed mistrust between the German soldiers and their commanders. Now the commander is wondering, is my soldier telling the truth? And the soldier is going, I'm telling the truth, why doesn't he trust me? So it's so discord among the brethren, if you will. And it worked. They got all of these people to think in a different way. Listen, sometimes military strategy is in the mind, isn't it? Well, sometimes we need to come up with some crazy ideas to win a war. There are often fundamentals that we must always keep as the foundation of our battles. I want you to understand Every single one of us is in a spiritual battle. Every single one of us, whether you think so or not, are in a battle that is raging for your heart. God wants your heart so badly. He wants you to know his saving grace. He wants you to understand what it is that he did for you. God is not slack concerning his promises. Some, Some men count slackness. But his long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants that for you. And Satan wants your heart. Satan doesn't want your heart for good. Satan wants your heart for evil. Satan wants to destroy you. He walketh about as a lion, seeking whom he may devour He doesn't want you to have a relationship with God. He hates God, and so he is battling for your heart and your soul. Those of us who are saved already, Satan can't have our heart. He can't have our soul. But he can have our actions. He can have our minds. He can uh, tempt us and put us in position. So I want you to understand, every single one of us is in a war, a war that's raging. We're in the middle of a fight. But, but, we must, we must keep moving forward. It's not fun, and listen, uh, most of us would be like the German soldiers and try and fake an illness and try and get out of there. But listen, no matter what you do, you will be in a spiritual war. And so if we're going to do anything, let's just move forward. Let's keep marching forward. So I want to give you a message that I've entitled, Fundamental Strategies. Fundamental strategies, Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says this, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house. For they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came unto me, there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know 
that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity of being here this morning. Pray that your will would be done. And Father, help us to move forward. Help us to understand these fundamental strategies in our battle, our spiritual battle. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Moving forward always involves strategy. Always. You cannot move forward. Uh, we, we always say success never happens haphazardly. You're, you're not going to do it unless you have a plan. Let's move forward. So moving forward involves a strategy. So I want you this morning to see three fundamental strategies for moving forward in this spiritual war. Number one. Number one is understanding the enemy. Understand the enemy. Look at verse 1 again with me. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. Go out and figure out what it is that these people were doing. The very first thing that Joshua does is sends two men to spy out the land. What was the purpose? The purpose of this was to understand the lay of the land. Understand what was going on there, how the, the, the topography moved, how everything, how they could maybe uh, get in and hide and sneak around. Another purpose of this was to understand the habits of the people. Understand what they did when they came in and when they went out. Understand how they worked and understand all they could about them. The purpose of this also was to understand exactly what they were getting into. If you know this, you understand that the walls of Jericho were really, really thick. They, they say they used to have chariot races on the top of the wall. They were so thick that you could ride two chariots side by side around the wall. This is something that they needed to know. They needed to understand how the people were. They needed to understand what they were getting themselves into. This was all reconnaissance. They had to go in, figure some things out, get some information. Let me ask you, how do you think these two men felt going into enemy territory? Scared. How would you feel if you were going into enemy territory? I believe they were scared. It was dangerous. The, the people of Jericho were not friends. They, they weren't somebody that they were trying to get acquainted with. They were going in to find out what was going on in their lives. Look at verse 2 and 3. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. Immediately here, the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house. But they become to search out all the country. I don't think I have to say this, but just in case. You know the king wasn't looking for them to reward them for searching out the country, Right? He, he, he wasn't going to pat them on the back and say, well done, guys. You guys are doing a wonderful military strategy here. No. 
he, was, he wanted to kill them. He wanted to get them and remove them so that they couldn't get back to Joshua. So it was dangerous. This wasn't just a, a, a lollipops and rainbows kind of thing. This was, this was serious business. Number two, the second thing is, it was formidable. It, it was, listen, how do you think you would feel as a lowly Jewish man, there's only two of us, and we're walking up to these huge walls. Man, how are we going to break through these? Man, look at the people. Look at this and look at that. Listen, it was a formidable city. It would have been crazy and incredible fortress. If they were anything like us, they probably would have thought, we don't have battering rams. It's going to take us years to get through these walls. How are we going to do this? Listen, this was not something nice and easy for these two men. But they were going in to understand the enemy. It was absolutely necessary for them to understand. So let me ask you a question. Do you understand your enemy? Right here. Do you understand your enemy? Let me ask you this question. Who is your enemy? Who's your enemy? Satan. If you thought anything other than Satan, you don't understand your enemy. If you thought it was the world, no, you're wrong, it's Satan. If you thought it was your coworker, no, you're wrong, it's Satan. If you thought it was your neighbor, no, you're wrong, it's Satan. Satan is the enemy. Do you understand him? Understanding your enemy allows you to protect yourself against his attacks. Understanding your enemy allows you to protect yourself against his attacks. So let's ask this question. What are the ways that Satan attacks? 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 tells us there's three ways. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He attacks in those three ways. He tries to get your lusts burning. He tries to get you. He, he did these three things with Eve. He did these three things with Jesus. In the temptation of the wilderness. Listen, Satan attacks in those three ways. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you know that? Do you know how he works in your life? Do you understand how he tries to get your pride going? Do, do you understand what your lusts are? Do you understand them? You must understand them. You must understand how he works. So let me ask you a question. How are we supposed to combat him? What are the best maneuvers? What are the best tactics? What are the best ways to fight against the devil? How are we supposed to guard against him? won't take the time to go there, but Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18, give us the armor of God. Above all, the Bible says, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You can conquer everything with the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, the Bible is so clear. The Bible is so uh, easily allows us to understand who Satan is, what he does, how he attacks, and how to best guard against it. And how to best 
offensively move forward. It's all there. Let me ask you, do you understand him? Write this down. You cannot, you cannot move forward until you know what you are fighting. You cannot move forward until you know what you are fighting. You have to know what battle you're in. You have to know what's going on. But here's the problem. Many of us don't know who we're fighting. Many of us don't understand who we're fighting. Here's the problem. You know what some of us do? Some of us look sideways and we look at our neighbors. Maybe even here in church and we bite and we devour one another. We fight one another and we think, oh, this person did this to me. I can't stand it when they do that. And oh, if if I just get my hands on them. We're fighting a battle this way. There is no possible way to move forward when you're fighting a battle laterally. You can't do it. Many of us don't understand who we're fighting. So instead of joining together to fight the enemy, we're fighting each other. Many of us don't know how our enemy attacks. And so we're blindly led into ambushes all the time. Many of us don't know our enemy's weaknesses. So instead of using our shield and our sword, we are trying to conquer him in our own strength. By the way, it's not our armor. It's God's armor. And we're to put on God's armor. So we need to use this. We need to understand so often we try to conquer him in our own strength and we try to willpower him and we try to do all these different things. Listen, you can't. But you don't know that. You don't understand that. And so you're going to keep trying. You're going to keep trying to move forward in your own strength. I think sometimes we are often too busy partaking in Satan's battle plan instead of resisting him. Some of us just say, well, if you can't beat him, join him. Maybe you're there. Listen, that's exactly where Satan wants you. Satan wants you defeated. Satan wants you frustrated. Satan's dropping matchbooks to you and saying, listen, this is how you fake Christianity. This is how you fake uh, dressing nice. And this is how you fake getting out of church. And all of these different things. He's saying, listen, this is how you do it. And you're falling right into the trap. Falling right into the ambush And you're wondering, how come I can't get over this? How come I can't conquer this sin? How come I can't move forward? I just feel like I'm constantly moving back because you don't know who you're fighting. You don't know who it is you're dealing with. You don't understand him. We must understand our enemy in order to move forward. The second thing I want you to see this morning is that we need to recognize the resistance. Recognize the resistance, chapter 2 of Joshua. Look at verses 2 and 3 again. The Bible says, and it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came in and hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. I want you to notice the word tonight. This happened just now. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house. For they be come to search out all the country. Jump down to verse 7. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan under the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. I want you to understand that the men of Israel were almost immediately met with resistance. 
almost immediately met with resistance. They were obviously not welcome in Jerusalem. They were obviously fearing for their lives. Why would they hide? Why would they hide in the roof? Amazing that they were automatically resisted. Why? Why was there an automatic resistance? And here's something you need to know. Look at verse 9. Watch this. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your, what? Terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Write this down. Resistance came because of fear. Resistance came because of fear. The men and women of Jericho were absolutely scared to death of Israel. They knew they didn't stand a chance. You think, well, we got these walls and we got all these people and we got all these things. And we got all, oh, we can do it. No. They fainted. They were, there was a terror Often we are met with resistance trying to move forward. Listen, I'll guarantee you, if by, by even mentioning that we're going to move forward, Satan's gearing up. Satan's getting ready. If Bible Baptist Church is going to move forward, we are going to experience resistance. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Expect it. But why? If we recognize why that resistance is there, is there, we can have confidence in the battle. Think about that. If we know why the resistance is there, we can have confidence in the battle. Let me, let me show you verse 24. Look at verse 24. And they, being the two men, you can see that in verse 23. They said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land. Why? For even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. You see, now those two men come back and go, we got this. They're scared to death of us. We're going to go in and the Lord is going to conquer for us because they're scared. They're fearful. Many of us faint when we are met with resistance. Many of us run when we are met with resistance. Many of us feel like there shouldn't be any resistance at all. God, I'm trying to do your work. Why, why is this bad thing happening to me? God, I'm trying to live for you. I'm experiencing this resistance. Write this down. Without resistance, there would be no relationship with God. Seriously? Seriously. Go to John chapter 15. Without resistance, there would be no relationship with God. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is the abiding chapter. This is talking about having a real close abiding relationship with God. Knowing him on an intimate level. Verse 18. Watch this. The Bible says, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me. Before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. 
but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept your saying, or kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. Why? Because they know not him that sent me. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. They wouldn't even know what sin is. Look at the end of the verse. But now they have no cloak for their sin. It's wide open. Everyone can see it. So you know what? They are fearful. Why do they hate you? Because they hated Christ. Why did they hate Christ? Because they feared him. Because now everything that was going on inside, hello, Pharisees, everything that was going on inside was now open and revealed so that everyone could see it. They feared him. And so when they feared him, they resisted him. They put him to death out of fear. Do you know that Satan is scared to death of God? He's already been displaced by God. You don't have a job here anymore. You're gone. Kicked out of heaven. Satan is not naive. Satan understands that God will win the battle someday. And someday Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. You understand Satan is fearful. Satan also knows this. I want you to hear this. You have to hear this. Wake up. If you get nothing else, get this. Satan has no power over you. Satan has no power over you. There is no power. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Actually, let's look at verse 17. Give a little bit of context here. The Bible says, and the 70, Jesus had sent 70 out two by two, returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Listen, God has given us power over the enemies. John chapter 1 and verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Listen, God has given us power over Satan. Satan does not have a hold on us. He can't do what he wants with us. He can't control us. He can't manipulate us. We have power over Satan. He's fearful of us. And that's why he resists. All he can do, all he can do is tempt us. Do you realize that? All Satan can do is tempt us. All Satan can do is scare us. All Satan can do is whatever God allows him to do. That's it. 
He can't control us. But if we understand the enemy and we recognize the resistance, listen, we can advance. We can move forward because we understand these things. But we need to remember why they fear. Listen, they don't, Satan doesn't fear because we're something special. Jericho didn't fear because of how mighty and powerful the Israelites were. I want you to notice, number three, knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. Look with me in verse 9, again, of Joshua chapter 2. Go back to Joshua chapter 2. Verse 9. She, being Rahab, said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Watch this. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Why? Because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. This is a heathen, non-Jewish woman saying these things. Saying, we know it was God. Listen, the people of Jericho knew exactly who they were dealing with. They knew exactly who it was that it was the Lord. They knew what the Lord was capable of. She listed it there in verse 10. Red Sea. And he came out of Egypt. Two kings. Sion and Og. Listen, you destroyed them. They understood what God could do. And listen, they weren't about to forget it. Isn't it interesting that God's people forget what God can do? But the enemy doesn't. Isn't it interesting that God had to tell the children of Israel over and over and over and over and over again. Hey, remember what I did for you at the Red Sea? Remember Sihon and Og? Remember those kings of the Amorites? Remember what you did there? Remember how I provided for you here? Remember the man and remember the water out of the rock? Remember all those things? Never once. Rahab says, listen, you guys have come through the Red Sea. You guys defeated Sihon and Og. We know that the Lord is going to defeat us. Isn't it interesting that we forget? We serve the same God that Joshua served. We serve the same God that the Israelites served. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing, and he is ever-present. Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 say this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Listen, everybody knows it. Everybody knows the day is coming where every knee will bow. James chapter 2 and verse 19, thou believest that there is one God, thou, thou doest well. The devils 
also believe. But you know what they do? And tremble. Are you understanding? We need to understand our enemy. We need to realize and recognize why there's a resistance. But listen, we need to remember that it's God. We need to remember that God has done some amazing things. We need to remember that we have God on our side. Nothing can stop us. We are more than conquerors. So let me ask you one final question. Why don't we move forward? Why don't we move forward? Can I submit to you this morning that it's because we don't understand the enemy? We don't recognize the reason for the resistance. And so that resistance scares us. And we do not know God. So here's the challenge. Bible Baptist Church must move forward. Bible Baptist Church must move forward. But each individual must move forward personally. Each individual here this morning must move forward individually. So how are we going to do that? I'm going to challenge you with this. I'm going to challenge you to start studying the enemy. Start understanding it. Listen, every sports team, they play a game. And they study their opponent. A lot. They play a game and we are in a war. We don't study our enemy. Study the enemy. Recognize why he does what he does. Figure it out. And hear this. And eagerly, passionately pursue the one true almighty God. Know him. Only then, I believe, with those three fundamental strategies can we move forward. I hope you'll take the challenge because every person needs to move forward personally. Every individual here this morning needs to move forward on an individual basis and collectively unified against a common enemy with a common goal of glorifying God. We can move forward. We know what happens. We're going to look at it. Joshua completely decimates Jericho. God, God got involved. Listen, the challenge for our church is to move forward. We're going to do some things. To you, it may seem insignificant. But walking around the walls seems a little bit insignificant, doesn't it? When you trust God, when you understand your enemy, when you know what's going on, when you recognize why there's resistance, and you know God, you can move forward.